With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on black and white and red all over. This is your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 25. The, you guys are going to like this one, the Jorge Martinez, or as we, as we lovingly knew him, El Malaca. Did I get that right, Sergio? How's my accent? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Pretty decent, I would say. <laughs> Obviously, a, uh, <laughs> about... If, if Juventus defended for about 15 seconds more, we would have been in a much better mood recording this episode. But first, let me bring in the usual usual group of Samuel Presti. Hello, Sam. How's it going, Danny? I would like to take a quick opportunity for a little bit of a selfish purpose. Uh, as as of we are recording on Monday, November 9th, I would like to wish happy birthday to my dad, who usually is a is a listener. And I will be telling him this in a FaceTime fairly soon, but I also wanted to share it to the world because my dad is awesome. So happy birthday, dad. I love you very much. And also as Juventus fans, we can wish happy birthday to our stepdad, Alessandro Del Piero. So, you know, there you go. Also true. Also true. We've got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Man, all these birthdays. Uh, yeah. Happy birthday to everyone. Uh, you know, always, uh, always nice to have uh, something to celebrate in the, uh, you know, given the state of the world these days. So uh, my birthday yeah. was two and a half weeks ago, Chuck. So you want to wish yes. me a happy birthday too? I remember I did actually, <laughs> I did actually in a Slack channel, uh, you in did. the main Slack channel. You I did, did actually. You did. So, uh, yes. You did. Uh, you know, jolly, uh, jolly times. <laughs> jolly times. <laughs> and last but not least, Sergio. Hello, Sergio. Hey fellas. How you doing? Yeah. Tons to celebrate. Shout out to Sam's dad. Shout out the goat's dad, the goat's birthday. I mean, just tons of good stuff. Good, good stuff. Not so celebratory was the way that Juventus closed out their game at lunchtime, and for some of us, very far away from lunchtime on Sunday. And that would be Lazio at the very, literally the last kick of the game. 
snatching a point away from Juventus, and that is uh, obviously where we're going to start this week. I was of the impression that it was more of a a team combustion rather than a single player combustion. And since everybody is playing the blame game, and since in his grab bag Sergio did not play the blame game, I will start with Sergio. Your thoughts on Juventus being 93 minutes and 50 seconds close to getting three points and then 10 seconds away from not getting three points. Yeah, no, that was, I mean, the thing is like because of the, the form overall that we have seen from this team is it's just really easy to start scapegoating guys. And, and to be honest, just like watching the play as I've seen it like a thousand times in, in the replay and stuff, there's a lot of blame to go around in that play. I, I don't think it's necessarily fair to just say, it was this one guy's fault. But if you were to play that game, the whole, you know, this is Paulo Dybala's fault is just incredible. Like, it's dumb. It's, it's, a, it's a stretch out of all stretches. Like you mentioned, I, I, I talked about that in, in the latest grab bag, that you can't – how can you blame a guy that wasn't even involved in the play, you know? I mean, right, he, he didn't get a lot of, like, the greatest control on the pass, and it was a throw-in. So what? Like, that wasn't the last play of the game. Like, if, if you mark uh, Correa right, then there's no problem, right? If, if you make a tackle, even uh, Danilo on the replay, he was super close to deflecting it with his, with his foot. I mean, so many things that could have happened, and you decide to blame the, the one guy who wasn't even involved on the play. Obviously, that's a little bit more to do because of, you know, his recent form and whatnot. But it, it's disappointing because overall, it was... I think it was a pretty good performance. I thought it was a, a solid game in which the manager kind of decided and kind of realized that, you know, we don't need to cons- constantly press and be this super attacking team to, to get the W here and it kind of adapted and kind of threw a different, a different, not formation as early, but a different style of play. And, and I thought there were a lot of positives in it. And now everyone, the only thing that ever, everyone's focusing is they drop points again. Devala uh, pouted or whatever. Like that's that that to me is the bummer because they came. They they had just scored eight goals in two matches against Spezia and Frank Barres, which fine if you don't want to take that into account, that's fine. But they were doing a good stretch, and then they had a good game, and just you know those last ten seconds are going to change the whole narrative of the of the, of the club going into the international break. And I think that's that's kind of a shame because we we saw some interesting things on on this game especially. Yeah, I, I'm in total agreement in that this was a really... The, the overall performance of this game, the last 10 seconds notwithstanding, I mean, yes, the last 10 seconds decided the result, and, you know, dropping points always sucks, especially that way. And, you know, I've had some people talk, you know, I, I've seen some people pull out winning is the only thing that matters ethos, which is yes. Okay, fine. But in a big picture sort of way, this was a really good performance. Pirlo made what looked to me to be a very conscious decision to let Lazio play and, and go on the counter, whether that was because he wanted to use Dan Kulusevsky's strengths on the counterattack, which he, he's a much better counterattacker than he is a, a, uh, a pat, you know, a, a builder, uh, a play builder like Aaron Ramsey can do. Whether he wanted to conserve the team some energy 
in terms of the press after a really, really long stretch of games. That's another possibility. Whatever he, whatever the reason, it's what he did. And Juve defended really well as a unit for almost the entire game. I, I, I hate to call him out here, but right after the game on our Slack channel, Hunter came on and said that he had been expecting the equalizing goal the entire time. And I don't know what game he was watching because I was not, I I was not on the, I mean, obviously you're always a little bit nervous with a one goal lead, but I wasn't thinking, Oh God, it's It's coming at any moment. I certainly was not thinking that they had only hit the target three times in the game prior to that goal, all of which were really, really soft shots right at Chesney. So I, I think that this, in the overall sense, I think that this is something to be to build on looking forward. You know, if you keep on playing like you did the first 93 minutes and 50 seconds, you've got a team here. It, it's it's going to be really interesting. I also think that I, I I totally agree with you, Sergio, that the 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 vitriol towards Dybala is kind of ridiculous. I mean, was it was an it was a it was a bad play to lose that ball under very under no pressure and i don't and it's not a stretch to say that if he controls that ball the game is probably over but like you said there was just a collective team brain fart on that last play you know bensoncour and quadrado are both in front of correa correa maybe the luckiest man in Serie A this year to be facing up against the two guys on the on Juvent on the field that had yellow cards at that point in the game. Because that's probably one of the reasons why neither of them went in very hard. Rabio, I think, you know, pulled out of that challenge because I think he realized that if he was not going to get it and he would have given away a penalty. I I did not like the positioning that Benucci took. I thought that he he was gifting Caicedo the the inside turn, which, you know, I, I say play him inside, let him go out, let Chesney be on the near post like he's supposed to and, and force him outside. Oh, you always want to force the, a stri- force a striker outside, which is another thing that Bentancourt didn't do with, with Correa. I mean, you can, you can break down that play forever and we we have two weeks to do it now because we've got nothing else to talk about. It, it was, it's a heart wrenching way to lose points to, to drop like that. But I think if you really pull back and look, there were more positives about this game than there were negatives. And we're going to have to, once everything is calmed down, I think we have to take stock of that fact. Yeah, definitely. I I think we can sit here and and talk all day about whether or not, you know, Bonucci's positioning was off or or Bentancur and Cuadrado didn't really attack that ball because they weren't yellows or whatever. But also, you know, sometimes... Sometimes you just gotta give it to them and, and admit that you know the other team the plays plays too. You know they also have some, you know, some credit to it. I mean, Correa's run is really good. Uh, you know, he that's just a good play. And then Caicedo's shot—that's a tough shot. He's falling. He's like it, it's a tough, tough shot to pull off. And he puts it in the one place that you know Wash doesn't really get there. And and like I mentioned before, Danilo gets like this close to to deflecting it. So. You know, sometimes a tough break is a tough break, and, and it sucks because it seems like early in this season, every single tough break has gone against Juventus. And at some point, you can start wondering whether or not 
is just tough breaks or it's a little bit more behind it, right? Because we've talked about it here before about, you know, the, the offside calls and the, you know, hitting the crossbar and this and that. It just seems like this, all these little tiny things are, are happening that are kind of like, you know, making the team drop points and hit the bar again today. Hit know? the bar again. Or, or yeah, yesterday, rather. One of those things, you know, and, and it sucks because they've had so many games that you could just say the same thing, right? Like, oh, it's one of those things. And it's frustrating, especially because it, it really takes away from some of the progress we're seeing in, in, in this team, you know? Especially, like, I don't know, like a guy like Mehdi Demiral, who I thought was, you know, was kind of struggling as after, you know, the Barcelona game, he struggled. And then, you know, he had a couple of rough patches. And this game, he looked really, really well because I think Pirlo decided to kind of take that responsibility away from him when it came to building off the back, which was something that he was struggling. And by deciding, you know, we're going to let Lazio play, that you kind of saw the best of Demiral. And he's just a really good defender and a really stout defender. And if you don't push him out of that, that you know, I don't want to say comfort zone, but if you don't ask him to do too much, he's going to be a really good defender. So all of those little things, I think, were, were really big positives. And, and it just got lost on the on the discourse thanks to you know those last 10 seconds which kind of kind of sucks overall yeah i mean so i didn't watch the game uh, unfortunately uh, i know shame on me shame uh, on me God. shame I know. shame <laughs> and yet know. we still allowed you on the podcast oh, yeah time. i know who is this fraud <laughs> get him out of here <laughs> get him out of here um but i did i did get a general idea inter- don't don't you know <laughs> <laughs> but I did, I did get a general idea of just uh, the flow of the game from reading kind of the post-match uh, recap, uh, and thank you, Sam, of course, and uh, watching the, uh, the highlights and just kind of reading, you know, broken down uh, analysis of, uh, of the game. And, yeah, I mean, generally the idea I got is indeed, like Sergio and uh, uh, Sam said, that, I mean, overall we were pretty well in control of the game. I mean, Lazio had a few opportunities here and there, but there wasn't, there didn't seem to be a sustained threat of like, oh my God, they got the ball again. We're going to, you know, like every time they get the ball, oh God, I feel like we're going to concede. But it seems like it wasn't that way. And indeed from the highlights, I mean, you know, they, yeah, they had some opportunities, but they weren't just kind of regular opportunities. You know, that is very encouraging just to see that uh, against a big opponent. Granted, um, they were missing a sizable portion of their team uh, because of COVID. So, you know, we do have to factor that in, of course. Uh, but, hey, let's, let me try and look on the bright side, of course. And, yeah, of course, with the goal, you know, we can look at the minutia of it. But, indeed, as, as, as Sergio said, you know, it really it was a really good strike. I mean, you, you do have to admit it. Uh, Caicedo is, indeed, falling. And he's, he's falling and turning. And he has, still has to go for the far post to get enough force on the ball to, you know, kind of curve it around uh, Chesney uh, and, you know, into the far post. So, yeah, credit where credit is due. But I think I'm encouraged just by the fact that, while A, defensively, sounds like we were pretty solid. So that's a big, very big encouraging point. Uh, And also by the fact that Pirlo, you know, I think from the beginning, the first few games, we'd seen that uh, Pirlo seems to or seemed at the time to have gone for, which fair enough, I mean, he wrote this in his thesis and that's, I mean, he stuck to his word in his uh, thesis of this really proactive in your face, you know, high press 
active game, intense uh, style of play. Which, yeah, I mean, you know, if you write that in your uh, in your thesis, fair enough. You got to follow your word. But obviously, we we all, I mean, I anyway did have some concerns about that style of play. Not that I have anything against that type of play fundamentally, but it's, I mean, it's a really difficult <laughs> way of playing. Uh, obviously, you need, you need the types of players to play for, with that. And more importantly, you need, you really need a lot of time and training to hone that kind of system. And obviously, you didn't have a preseason, which, you know, just given everything going on, uh, you know, which is why you didn't have a preseason. So I think just on the basis of this game, it seems, I mean, it's maybe early to say, but it seems that he's said, okay, maybe let me go for a slightly more pragmatic style play just for the short term, at least, just to stabilize the team, get some good results going, get some momentum going, and maybe against the, I don't know, Beneventos or Spezias or just like, you know, the small teams, maybe then try and, you know, do, do the little more ambitious style of play, which I, I mean, I think that's, again, that's pragmatic. And I think I appreciate his humility in, in recognizing that pretty early on in the season. So, you know, that, that's, that's an encouraging point for me. And that, that just tells me something about him as a coach of, you know, being willing to be flexible. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of Antonio Conte's first season when, you know, he broke out the three-five-two. Everyone, uh, you know, I mean, obviously that's his trademark now, but it's it's easy to forget, given everything that's happened at Juventus since then, that 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 first attempt at the three-five-two was not a success, and he actually ditched it for a while. He hung it up for about six weeks. Um, he must have been honing it in training because one day he he brought it back. I even I think I even remember like seeing it come back and I was like oh gosh this again and they blitzed Roma that day and from then on you know that's what that was Conte's calling card so I think I think you're right in that sense I think that he this is the the way that he wrote about in his thesis the way I think he wants to play I think he's he's honing that on the field you did see it a couple of times there was one uh there was one uh, moment early in the second half when when all of a sudden you could hear from the sideline, Pirlo started screaming at somebody to press and they started doing it and forced a giveaway from Reyna that Bentancourt ended up pulling a little bit wide. So he, I think he, he might selectively as we go along and uh, we'll see how, you know, we'll see if with some more time in training, if he's working on it, that we'll slowly start to see it unleashed on us a little bit more in its in the form that he wants it to come out as the season progresses. I talked early in the season, just this whole, I kept harping on about this whole thing about identity, 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 and just my goal and just my desire for this season to be seeing some kind of identity for Juventus. And I think having a flexible identity of like adapting to the opposition and sometimes pressing, but then sometimes staying back and, you know, depending on the situation. I think that in itself is an identity, just that kind of like chameleon type of, you know, we are going to adapt to the opposition and change based on how the opposition plays. I think that in itself is a style and is an identity. So, you know, I, I think it's encouraging to see that. And, you know, we'll see if it's just a fluke or if this is going to be consistently, uh, if Pirlo is going to consistently do that. It might be him just kind of reading the room a little bit too, where it's like his preferred guy to play as a number 10 isn't there. It's a team that has 
you know, been traveling a lot and, and is far from full strength, just kind of at the end of their run of that, you know, we talked about at the beginning, it's seven games in three weeks, which, you know, we can say that, you know, they're used to it. This is what they, you know, this is what they do. And when the champions league starts to arrive, but 2020 is just saw them play what feels like a hundred games in two and a half months after lockdown. And now, you know, they had what, six weeks to, to get going before the, the new season started. So, I mean, I, I forget who it was, but they were saying if they're not tired by the time 2020 ends, then they're just, they're abnormal and even more superhuman than they already are as professional athletes. So, yeah. And I mean, players are supposed to have, an, I think is at least five days of rest between games. So, I mean, they're, they're definitely not having yeah. that now. And, <laughs> and even though it feels like Italy called up about 200 players for their internet, they're playing three games again. You know, they've got a, they've got a, a friendly on Wednesday. So it's just, it's just one of those situations. It's where whoever the local health authorities deem yeah, it, able it's, to a, it's a laundry that's list like of, a, who, of who that's can't a, that's, travel. That's a whole mess in and of itself. Yeah, and I mean, you, you throw that in with how Lazio's been handling the virus, which is why they weren't at full strength this week. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just a, the virus is continuing to be a complete mess, and as we're seeing Italy's cases go up more and more and more, more players are getting affected, but, you know, getting diagnosed with it. But yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just throw it to Sergio because he wants to say something real quick. It's not like anybody's running away with it. Like, that's the thing. Like, Juventus hasn't looked great at moments. We all, I think, can, can understand that. But there are four points of, of the league, the lead, right? And, and AC Milan, which was looking really well, you know, just got trounced in the Europa League, I think, 3-0. Uh, they, they tied. They barely tied in the weekend. You know, it's not like anybody – like, it's not like anybody is really, like, pulling, pulling away while Juventus kind of figures things out, right? So, especially, especially the, I think we were talking before the, the podcast started, Sam mentioned that if the next, they could clinch the next round, the round of 16 of the Champions League next match day. So, even though we haven't seen the best version of this team, they're well on their way to just kind of like cruise control and be right where they want to be, which is, you know, close to the, to the lead in, in Serie A and, you know, in the round of 16 of Champions League. So I, I, I'm actually really relieved by that. We're not in, the, in a situation like 2015 where they went like they were like 14 or 15 in the table for a while there. And they had to really kind of like mount a comeback to go back. Right now, they really don't have to do that. They just have to get it together for a stretch and, and they're right in the thick of it. So I think that's, that's also, I mean, let's, let's not press the panic button just yet that's that's what i would advise yeah that's exactly what i was going to say is that you know we we are in much better shape right now than we were at this point in the season in the 2015-16 season when i think Juventus i think they they bottomed out at 12th and had to run 15 straight wins and you know simone zaza being magic for a night to to be able to win the to you know to win what was number five at that point that this, this is by no means, you know, deeper trouble than, than that. Yes. Yes. You can make the argument that the league is stronger than it was at that point, but it's, you know, it, this really, this league and 
you know, everything this year because this year is so ridiculous. Everything is anybody's game at this point. So there's, yeah, like you said, like Sergio said, there's absolutely zero reason to start panicking right now. Also, yes, the league is stronger, but also like Juventus is significantly stronger than that team. I mean, I was I, I mentioned it in the in, in the latest grab bag. Very true. I was looking I was looking at the recap of you know the, the championship video they put out. And there's like not there's a lot of moments where it's like Hernandez and Mario Lemina and like Padoin and like a bunch of these dudes, like they actually show up in the highlight video. So it's not like they were just, you know, they were rarely used guys. They actually played a lot in that season. So, you know, sure, the entire league overall is probably better. But, I mean, Juventus is not, you know, five years later, I think they're, they're a significantly better team. So, you know, four points behind overall, I think it's, it's, it's pretty manageable. How dare you insult our god, Padoin? <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So you guys obviously aren't pr- pressing the panic button, and that throws one of our Twitter questions out right away. But I want to—I kind of kind of want to gauge where you guys are at, just in terms of how you're feeling overall, because positive spin Juventus has the second best defense in the league when they're very much trying to integrate a new system negative they've got twice as many on the field draws as on the field wins so now that we're you know we're I don't I trying to do the mental math in my head you know we're we're a a decent amount of the way even though it's not the biggest sample size where are we kind of feeling knowing that as I was writing down while you guys are talking here, there are 10 games between Juventus coming out of the inter- this current international break and then the very brief Christmas break that we have five, five six weeks from now, which is a lot. <laughs> we thought this, this stretch was busy. It's going to be even busier in, uh, in a couple weeks. It, it is a lot. It, it definitely is a lot, but – there's there's some cavalry coming. I mean, Delict and Alexandro are supposed to be back by the time uh, the league resumes after the international break. That's if if that's what the reports have led us to believe. Makes a makes for some really interesting conversation about where both of them fit in and what happens to the players that they might displace if they come back in. But as long as as everything stays healthy and COVID-free, you've got a really nice rotation in there. And you've got who 
you know, the guy who might on the basis of basis of talent be your third best player in Delict coming back into the team, which is going to be huge for a team that you already mentioned, Danny has the best defensive record in Serie A right now. So yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm more inclined to be optimistic. You see the signs that there is an that there's been an upward tra- trajectory to these performances. You know, uh, this, this last week to ten days after the Barcelona game. You know, Pirlo said maybe we needed that to to kind of get everything to to kind of snap you know snap us back into things and. It seems like they've, for the most part, done that. You know, four one against four one against Spezia, four uh, one against Ferencváros. You know, you can say that that's the weakest team in Serie A and in our Champions League group, respectively. But you can only play who you're in front of, and you're supposed to beat the crap out of teams like them if you're Juventus. So that's what they did. And and here you have one of your one of your main rivals. You know, top four team that you really controlled so i uh i for the most part i'm looking at this and and thinking that we could be seeing the start of some good things obviously that'll have to play out on the field but i think i i I think pirlo knows where this is going it looks like the players are buying in and you know I I think that I think that the rest of the league, you know, if 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 Juve come back and fire off a couple wins in a row, the rest of the league is going to start getting nervous because uh, it's what always happens. <laughs> and we'll we'll see how it go, we'll see how it goes from there. You flying that Dutch flag proudly, Dutch? <laughs> now that your man's coming back soon? Yeah, my man, and with his uh, thighs that are the size of my, I don't know torso <laughs> and the kid's like i mean almost well how old is he getting 2019 21 i mean oh 21 oh okay oh, remember he had sh- shoulder surgery say that, yeah, yeah, say, yeah. say that three times fast he had it on his 21st birthday oh, yes, so. yeah. that's quite the way to it's funny if we were american you could you would you would say like wow what a way to uh celebrate my 21st birthday but since he's dutch 21st birthday you're kidding he got the good he he got the good drugs most of the drugs are most of the drugs are legal in our country anyway so psh, oh. you know, that's whatever <laughs> but, uh, let's not turn it political <laughs> although uh, there's some funny news about drugs but well i'll talk about that off air <laughs> um, <laughs> i shouldn't say that on there but um, <laughs> um uh, no you know Freudian slip but no, I mean, yeah, how am I feeling about Juve now? I think neutral, not optimistic, but not pessimistic, just kind of neutral. Because look, on one hand, you know, okay, performances have been up and down and results have definitely been up and down. But at the end of the day, like like Sergio said, we're only four points off the top. And that's like, it's almost ridiculous, really. Like, I mean, we really haven't played like, you know, champagne football and probably four points at the top, um, you know, with AC uh, Milan looking, I mean, very impressive. Um, but even with them looking very impressive, they're still only four, point, four points ahead of us. And I think only two points or so ahead of Sassuolo, I want to say. Let me quickly check that as I'm talking. Uh, yeah, two points. Wow, I have good memory. <laughs> two points off Sassuolo, yes. Um, 
who have also been in great form. But I think just the thing with this season, and I mean, I've kind of I've said this multiple times, and you know, you all you all have said it as well, is just that you know there are so many variables this season that it's just it's really hard to kind of give any kind of educated uh, guess slash analysis about what's going on because there's just so much. Uh, as they say, and I remember from my statistics class, um, my teacher would always say, you know, it's like it noise. It's basically noise. Um, you know, when you have like a variable or when you have an equation used to like, let's say predict, uh, I don't know, the rainfall, the amount of rainfall coming in like tomorrow, then you have like variable number one, two, three, and then you always have this error rate or this error term at the end, which is basically just statistician saying like okay this is kind of the part where we don't really know what the hell is going on so i mean but we know there are things that we have not predicted or are not able to estimate correctly so we're just going to kind of put this error term here and that's going to kind of catch everything every all the weird random stuff that we're not really sure about and i feel like this season that error term is really large in terms of like being able to predict results and being able to estimate performances of teams is just difficult because there's so much the noise there's so much randomness in the equation mostly caused by covid but then also just well okay mostly caused caused by covid which then causes a really condensed really really condensed schedule of seven games in like what was it uh, i don't know how many weeks it was again i forget was it yeah i forget i mean anyway seven games in like a very short period of time i think three weeks or something was that so yeah, then you have, you know, that caused by COVID. And then what does that cause? Well, ridiculous amount of injuries. I mean, I've been reading just in other leagues as well. Players and coaches around the leagues have been complaining, rightly so, about the same thing. Like this is really unsustainable. Like this is this is gonna catch up on players in a really bad way. So, you know, I think we're all just kind of waiting for the reckoning on that one. And yeah, plus what I mentioned last week, I mean, you know you can be preparing for a game on Friday and talking about like, Oh, okay. Uh, Real Madrid have an easy game uh, tomorrow. And then suddenly uh, five of their best players could get COVID. And then, well, things just changed, you know, which can happen. I mean, it, it just can happen. So I think there's just so much noise and so much randomness this season that, I mean, I just find it difficult to really give any kind of educated opinion uh, on the season, but I think in general, like I said, I'm encouraged by the fact that Pirlo's shown flexibility in his tactics and the willingness to be pragmatic. And I think that given the experience in the team, that will be that will be taken on pretty well. I mean, the likes of Chiellini, Bonucci, Buffon, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, um, uh, even Morata as well. I mean, he's, he's, he's 27 already, so he's really quite experienced. Um, players like that will understand, like, okay, there are times where we just all have to hunker down and just soak up the pressure and then counterattack really effectively through the likes of Chiesa and uh, Kulusevski and Ronaldo and Morata. So, I mean, I still don't want to say with certainty that we're going to win the Scudetto. I'm not really sure. But at the end of the day, I just want to have a season in which we have some good performances and that, and then which I can say, okay, I see a future for this team. Yeah. I think the key was like Chuck said, you know, it's hard to make like a, like, like a good prediction, you know, like a, like a, like a professional prediction, but 
since I'm just a guy on the internet, I'm a, I'm a say that I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm, I'm really optimistic just because of, of these two things. I, you know, obviously the Licht coming back is, is huge, but especially, I mean, this, this, this is a guy who's arguably a top 10 center back in the world. So if you can just bring that guy in, you know, that's immediately an upgrade over whatever you have. So uh, that's going to be huge. But also, and almost more importantly to this team, Alexandro coming back, I think, is, is massive and it's going to be huge for this team that has kind of like gone through, you know, after, shape, after shipping out, you know, uh, a local favorite of us here, uh, Matias Siglio, you know, you don't really, you know, it's been kind of like a revolving door in that left flank. They've tried out a few guys, they've tried out Kulusevski, they've tried out Kiesa, they've tried out uh, Frabot, and none of them have really just been good enough to really say that they have solidified that position. So to have Alexander back, a dude who, you know, we might say, oh, he's, you know, he's not spectacular. He could be better, whatever. Like, he's a rock-solid guy. Like, he's just a competent, good guy to have on the left. And so far, this team hasn't had that, which, honestly, like, if you if you discount essentially an entire flank, how can you really correctly assess what this team looks like or what this team can do? And And that's kind of like the problem that so far Pirlo has had. So I'm really, really looking forward to those two guys coming in and Andrea Pirlo actually having a full squad and, and, you know, kind of like a full deck of cards to play with and, and then start really making the, you know, the, the, the actual judgment. So, yeah, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, especially because just overall that, the, you know, the fact that no one has really ran away with the city oh with champions league i mean if you look at the tables all over europe i mean Real Sociedad is top of the table in spain um i think leicester city is top of the table in in the premier league with like manchester city and some other teams like way down below i mean just overall it's kind of like all over the place right so i, I i'm cautiously optimistic about what this team can do in, in this season but first we have to see them you know full strength at the end of the day Sergio channeling his inner Italian saying that he's most optimistic because a couple of defenders are coming back. Definitely. I mean, definitely. You have to, that, that's the team. That's the team. That's who you are. And I don't like, I want to sound like the worst type of guy, but it was like Juventus needs to defend well. That's just something they need to do. And, and that was one of the parts that people were really upset about. And it's one of those dumb things that people get upset about. Like, like last year, all the, t-shirt doesn't have any stripes it's like oh and it's this whole huge esoteric deal but one of those things actually is Juventus defending well and if they don't you do miss a little bit of the the essence of the club so I'm really excited to to have those two guys back I think they're going to be a real 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 asset for this club moving forward all right we'll hit on the Champions League real quick before we wrap things up with our usual Twitter questions it's weird to say after one three-week stretch of games that we're now halfway through the group stage, but we're halfway through the group stage and it's played out. I think like a lot of people have thought, maybe not with the results, maybe, but just how quickly Juve and Barcelona have separated from Dinamo Kiev and Ferenc Varos. So knowing that Juventus can advance to the knockout rounds with a win in their first Champions League game back and get a little bit of help as well, I guess kind of the same type of question. How are we feeling about the Champions League knowing that? I mean, it, it kind of feels like if Juve take care of business in their next two Champions League games, it's pretty much just playing for top of the group against Barcelona. 
come come the middle of December, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that I also really like the idea of you know if we can clinch this game and and you know for the I, I wrote this in my French recap of the French Flowers match, but the the math is Juventus need to win and Dinamo Kiev need to not win. So we said in the beginning, hopefully without tempting the wrath of the whatever from high atop the thing, that's, that's likely (laughs) getting that out of the way. You know, it provides Pirlo with an opportunity to maybe rest a couple of guys against Dinamo Kiev play, you know, play some of the bottom of the, you know, bottom of the depth chart, you know, have Gigi play against Kiev and then maybe make a run against Barcelona at the, uh, for the top of the group at Camp Nou. Was it Chucks that mentioned it before we hit record that Ansu Fati is out for several months now for Barcelona? That was Danny that, uh, that, that mentioned that. So we, I mean, that's a loss for them. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have come up, up, we'll have come up on them, you know, six weeks six weeks more developed than we had been before and it could might be able to to snag something i'm not necessarily begging for that like i like i said when we first started talking about the group stage a couple of episodes ago all i really care about is getting out of the group cuz the 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 benefits of finishing first in the group have diminished over time with the new rules if you get this done now then that has a knock on that can also have a knock on effect for some Serie A games that you might really want to win in order to to better position yourself to make a run be, you know towards the end of the andata when you have Milan and Inter in relatively quick succession i think that's they, you have both of them in in the space of 3 rounds towards the end of the schedule I think that, that that gives Pirlo a good chance to make sure that everybody is fresh if you go as early as you can. So I personally am expecting him to just go straight out at Ferenc and just go for a crush and and hope that uh, that Barcelona pick up a res- the the right result and that Juve are you know through with two games to spare and then just engineer things from there. Yeah, you know, it's funny with the Champions League. and I mean, you mentioned it a bit in passing, Sam, but indeed in the Champions League, I'm just looking at the groups and I mean, a lot of the groups are in real flux as well. I mean, you know, you look at the Manchester United group, it's, I mean, it's a toss-up. The Inter, uh, Inter's group, Group B, I mean, it's a complete toss-up as well. Even Except a, for where Inter is. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh. oh, snuck that one in there, did he? <laughs> Hey. Oh, he, he took the ball past the defender and just left him for that uh, brilliant <laughs> um, but yeah even even group a with um Byron and well, you, to, you know they even they have a kind of i mean Atletico not quite safe there either and i mean well okay the other i mean manchester city group fair enough that's that's all done so yeah i mean you know a lot, a lot of the groups are really in a lot of flux as well and I think the thing is with so going back to our group with uh, you know Barcelona and Juve uh, uh, Kiev and Ferenc uh, Valls, you know it's even Barca and I've been following them a bit as well. Even Barca haven't you know looked great either. I mean they've been frankly as erratic as we've been, um, you know good performances and then kind of weird and then kind of not really knowing what's going on and then now Ansu Fati injured. 
Um, so they've, yeah, I mean, they've been pretty tipsy-turvy as well. And again, just a lot of other clubs have been as well. Uh, United winning 5-0 against Leipzig and then losing to uh, Istanbul Bashashikshir. Oh, I'm uh, flexing my vocal cords. This Bashashikshir. Yeah, Bashashikshir. Yeah, 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 man, man, I knew that, man. I'm just testing you. Listen to Jamie Carragher and the Scouser accent on CBS <laughs> All Access pronouncing that name. That's just a... <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and, and you know I think the thing with knockout competitions is it you know I think it's one of those things where you can have your league form you can be all over the place but once the Champions League goes on suddenly everybody just like you know gets back into things and like I think that happens with a lot of teams I, I mean I don't know necessarily with Juventus but I think that happens with you know frequently with other teams where it's just it's an on-off switch between the league and the Champions League, where they're just, I mean, it's Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. So, um, and yeah, like I said, I think knockout competitions kind of lend themselves to that kind of randomness of like, okay, now we're on, you know, now. Whereas in the league, it's like, okay, well, it's match day 10. Cool, we got match day 10, but we still have 28 other match days to go. So I I think that's a mentality thing as well. But yeah, I mean, I'm obviously, I I mean, we'll, we'll progress from the group just fine. I'm not too worried about that. Um, how far will we go? I mean, it's just, I I think we'll probably get through the round of 16, but I um, don't have too much faith past the quarterfinals. Honestly, I think that's when you really filter out, you know, the the kind of random, the, the flukes from, you know, the real... And it all depends on the draw, too. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, for instance, you saw, uh, what was it, um, PSG last year. I mean, their their side of the draw was. I mean, <laughs> fortunate to say the least. I mean, they have what is would have been would have been our side of the draw if we had managed to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true that, true that. That's, yeah, uh, yeah. Because they had what was it again? Atalanta, uh, Leipzig. I'm missing one. Uh, oh, well, no, Dortmund, Dortmund. They had Dortmund, Dortmund yeah. Atalanta, uh, Leipzig. So I mean, you know, compared to compared to Bayern's run, you know, I mean, that's just, that was night and day there. So, um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I think probably quarterfinals is going to be the end of the line for us. But again, I mean, if I just see kind of, if I see the type of level of performances in the Champions League that, you know, again, with the whole identity thing, then I'll be okay with that. I think I'll, I'll be okay with that. It, it, honestly, I'm a bit shocked to, to hear you say that the seeding doesn't really matter all that much because I think right now there's only one team I would not want to face in the round of 16, and that is Bayern Munich. And, and they are honestly like straight up, like they're definitely going to qualify in the first place. They're kind of like the only team that's still playing really well overall, obviously, because outside of that, even the, the big names, you know, the the Liverpools, the Manchester Cities, the whatevers, you know, they they have been inconsistent as well. Barcelona, Real Madrid, you know, you you look around and and realize that even if you qualify in second and you get, I don't know, Liverpool, I don't think it's so insane to say that that, you know, they have a chance there or they, you know, they draw Manchester City or, you know, whoever. I think the only team I really, really don't want to, don't want to face is Bayern Munich at all if we can just avoid them completely that'd be the best but you know just in general i would like to to avoid them as much as possible because that's the team that to me just in europe in general has looked the best overall so 
obviously, I think we, we all agree, I think the qualification to a round of 16 is pretty much a done deal unless something, you know, truly, you know, truly catastrophic happens. But, you know, I would like to see them top of the group because of, too, selfishly, because of the outstanding bet I have with my girlfriend, which hinges upon who wins the group. <laughs> so I, I would very much not like to be out a hundred smackers buying the new Barcelona jersey for her. So that's one Declare thing. an interest, young man. Declare an interest. Definitely. <laughs> also, because I really, really want to avoid Bayern Munich. And, and to me, they seem like the one team that, that would just be overwhelmingly favored, not only over Juventus, but I think over any team in Europe right now. So I, I, I think that if they have a chance to snag that, and, you know, Sam was mentioning, you know, maybe rotating in the squad a little bit, but if you, if you can somehow get to that final final game against Barcelona in Barcelona, just you know, if you have a chance to snag that first place, I, I think that'd be important just just in order to avoid a tougher draw in the early going. I mean, the the tiebreakers involved. Like, assume that Juventus and Barcelona win out going into that game. The tiebreakers involved would be really interesting because Juve would essentially have to win by three goals in Camp Nou in order to, if, if they were to go in trailing by three. So it, it, it is a little bit, it, it, it's, it's kind of difficult for me to see it right now, but who knows, maybe they could drop a point here or there uh, in between. The one thing that I wanted to say, this is edging into transfer rumors. So, you know, sorry for flashbacks on that one so soon after the deadline, but I, I do distinctly remember Juventus being connected with Marcus Turam over the summer. And man, the way he played this last match day against Real Madrid, that was something. And if we, if, if we're in on him and we, you know, maybe pick were to pick him up in, in the next couple of transfer windows, I would, I would not be unhappy of that. Although I do have to say Papa Turam is probably like, you know, in all kinds of shame that his son grew up to be a striker. But, but yeah, I would, I would very much like to see that. All right. Let's start the Twitter questions here from Avanith Kumar. Do you think Marata's current form will become the new norm or will his performance become more like his showing against Lazio where he does a lot more of the dirty work with a goal here and there? I don't know. I, I think Morata has, even at his best in Juventus, he was kind of like a streaky guy. He, you know, if you just look at his numbers overall, even, again, in his best season for Juventus, he wasn't kind of like the dude to score, you know, 20, 25, 30. So this is kind of like a little bit, then again, but there are not many guys that can score 25, 30 in a season, right? But, you know, overall, I don't think he's a super high volume striker in the you know, in his career. So if you just go by that, I, I would say he, you know, he's kind of on a hot streak right now, but I would expect to see him be more of a, you know, a dirty work type of guy. But, you know, who knows? I mean, the, you know, sometimes we either overvalue or undervalue, the, you know, the emotional aspect of the game. But, you know, the way he's been playing and, you know, the way he keeps saying that he's super happy to be back and that he loves the club and that, you know, he should have never had left and that he feels wanted and all this you know, kind of like lip service is doing, maybe it does make a difference. Maybe this is kind of like a breakout season for him. And I mean, who knows, right? But right now, if I had to make a bet on a, like over under for goals for him, 
I don't know, like 20. I think, I think just historically you have to go under, right? But there's a, there's a chance. There's a chance because we're seeing a guy that I don't think we have seen in a while, just the way he's playing and the way he's, he's scoring. It's, it's really, really impressive. I mean, he once he that's the one season after Real Madrid bought bought him back when he you know Zidane benched him but threw him off the bench in off the bench most games. He almost scored twenty goals that year in La Liga, and I mean it's easier to score in La Liga than it is to score in Serie A, you know. And yes, he always has been a streaky guy, but also when it comes to the 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 ins and outs of this question, I don't think that you know being a dirty work guy is necessarily a bad thing either <laughs> you know if he's gonna be the dirty work guy and 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 do that really effectively the way he did against Lazio I'm down for that I mean that's what wormed Mario Mandzukic into all of our hearts uh, over the last couple of you know over the over four or five years either he's gonna either whether he's a high volume scorer or not he's providing a lot of valuable play on the field and I think that that is enormous to the way the team is playing right now. And frankly, I think that's kind of the modern striker anyway today. I mean, the modern striker is the striker that can pass, that can shoot, that can head, that can do build-up play, that can, you know, cut inside from the wing and then score and give assists. You know, that that is kind of the modern striker. So I think that's in line with, you know, with really with the times. Um, as a side note, I going back kind of way back to the um, uh, thing about the teams and Liverpool and stuff and Bayern München. Uh, I think actually I do disagree with uh, Sergio there. I think Liverpool, okay, that seven-two aside, which I know is a big aside uh, against Aston Villa. Uh, I actually do think that they're quite not quite on the same level as Bayern, but I think them and Bayern, Liverpool and Bayern are kind of the two teams that are, I think, on hottest most consistent form this season so far anyway so i would i fear liverpool equally as i do Bayern. well let's get to the top of the group so we can avoid them both i mean it's not like i'm you know super confident against liverpool but you know i I do think they haven't been the you know the absolute you know machine that that Bayern is so you know i would i would rank them lower but i do think they're i mean if they were to play juventus i do think liverpool would be favored for sure I think we can all agree is that from what we saw with Morata and Kulusevsky, what they did on the counter on Sunday, we wouldn't necessarily be opposed to that. Just we saw how much space that they had to work with. And I mean, Kulusevsky, especially that was uh, pretty, pretty fun to see him kind of channel his inner Parma days and stretch his legs out. And really, I mean, he had so much room to work with sometimes that he was dangerous when he was on the ball. So next question here from, at or from Garfield McCumphreys, there might be one of the best names we've had yet. Can you think of a way to get all these players on the field at once? Would it even work at all? Arthur, Bentancourt, Rabio, Ronaldo, Morata, Dybala. We are playing ultimate fantasy football here as Shucks rolls his eyes. Yeah, not if you want to, you know, <laughs> don't want to concede less than like 10 goals in a game. Uh, no, I mean, it's nice if you want to play against, again, Benevento or something. But, you know, in, in all seriousness, that's, I mean, that's kind of kamikaze football playing. Uh, if I recall correctly, he said Morata, Ronaldo, Kulusevsky, Arturo Bentancur. I mean, 
it's not, I mean, in fairness, it's not completely impossible, but I think you're, you're, you're flirting with massive imbalance. <laughs> uh, if you add like Dybala and stuff to that too, because I think that's what some people were saying. They're like, Oh, if there's only a way we could put Chiesa, um, what was it? Chiesa, Kulusevsky, Morata, uh, Ronaldo, and Dybala all at the same time. I'm like, yeah, let's just concede 10 goals. Why not? You know? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's, Again, it's nice if you want to play against like Benevento or something, but uh, I don't think, frankly, practically, that's uh, <laughs> it's a, a fun idea. But uh, no, I don't. I don't think that would work. Yeah, maybe if you're like, you know, in the last five minutes of a do-or-die game, sure, get them all out there, especially when you've got five subs. But from the start, you 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 really got to be. You you really have to have something up your sleeve if you think that that's going to work from the start. <laughs> I mean, look, 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 humoring the whole thing. That's a four three three. That's that's not. It's not like you know. I mean, the formation is kind of there, right? Four three three, and then could you kind of figure it out? It's not something. Or maybe a four three one two with DiBala in the hole. Yeah, something like that. I mean, it's not super far fetched to see. Then again, if you switch Arthur with Pjanic, we saw that multiple times last year. I mean, some sort of combination with that. Instead of Morata, it was Iwain, but it, it was kind of that same idea. And then we saw it, it didn't work all that well. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't be against it. I think if you can pull it off, you know, more power to you, but we'd have to see a lot more from either Bentancur or from either Arthur or, I mean, Rabiot, to be honest, Rabiot is really good right now, but, you know, from either of those guys to prove that they can thrive in that type of system, and then a lot of things kind of figure out by themselves. But, you know, it is a little far-fetched, I think. There's a possibility it could maybe work. The formation is there. But we saw something similar last year, and the results were pretty pretty underwhelming, I would say. Based on Chuck's reaction, he's starting to come around to it. Well, no, you know, it's funny, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I was just thinking something. Um, I don't think, in principle, I'm even against the, the, the sheer thought of throwing on, what, four – and a half strikers uh, all on the pitch at the same time. Uh, you know, I'm fundamentally not even against that because I, I looked at Liverpool's lineup for the weekend against Manchester City, and they had, you know, they had Mane, Firmino. Uh, let me see who else they looking very quickly. Uh, yeah, they had Salah, Mane, Firmino, uh, Jota, and then Bynaldum, Henderson, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, then they're back four. So they essentially had four strikers on the pitch at the same time. I mean, really, essentially. And, you know, they still played really well. And, I mean, they, they held uh, City to, obviously, to a draw. Uh, looking at the statistics, City had two shots on target <laughs> the entire game. And then, well, four shots off target. Uh, likewise, uh, Liverpool had three shots on target, four off target, and 45% possession. So, you know, clearly the concept of playing that many strikers on at the same time isn't impossible at all, but it's just that what do these strikers do? You know, Salah, Firmino, uh, Mane, and Jota, they press like crazy. I mean, they, they are defenders essentially, you know, and that's like, they, yeah, they embody the concept of defending from the front. So, you know, if, okay, fair enough, put up that many strikers as long as they essentially defend. <laughs> And if Marcello Lippi in 2006 taught us anything, playing with four strikers on the field can be done at a very high level. So, 
here, here. Sorry, I, I was listening to a podcast earlier and they referenced the semifinal against Germany in 2006, so I've got it on the mind. Totti Del Piero. Totti Del Piero. Totti Del Piero. Giardino. And uh, I'm blanking on the last one, but it was it was basically a no, it was Yaquinta. Yaquinta, yeah. It was Yaquinta. Yaquinta, as, yeah. as our, our friend. Uh, yeah, Rhett, Rhett, we got a couple questions about Dybala, and I'll wrap things up on one of them from at Elaw20. Do you think Dybala's slow start in the team so far stemmed from coming back from a significant muscle injury that he picked up a few months back at the end of the Serie A season, or do you think it's from a lack of understanding of how to play in Pirlo's system? I think it's a combination of, of both. Of, I mean, right now at, at this point, we don't know. I mean, there's been so many theories thrown around. It was, you know, it was that muscle injury. And then um, he had, a, I think, a gastrointestinal issue that, that prevented him from going to the Argentinian national team or, or he had to be dismissed from the Argentinian national team, something like that. And, you know, you come in and Alvaro Morata is on fire. And, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, whenever he's fit, he's, he's going to play. So... I think it's a little bit of, you know, he's not in his best form. There's not necessarily a natural position for him to play in right now. You know, I think when, when the season started, we all thought he would be that that pair with Cristiano Ronaldo, right? So far, it hasn't really happened because of Alvaro Morata and, and his great form, you know. I think it's, I think it's in general, I think it's where we're, you know, overreacting a little bit to to the fact that he, he's having a rough start of the season. And I have criticized him for that as well because we expect a lot more of him. We expect a lot more for, from the number 10 in Juventus. We expect a lot more from a guy who reportedly wants to make 12 million euros a month. A uh, month, I mean, a year. And, you know, we, I think that kind of has tainted the view from a lot of the fans a little bit in, in that sense. But I think if right now I'm not too worried about whether or not Dybala is going to end up being a big part of the team he's way too talented he's way too good he has shown multiple times that he can be a very good player if we're still having this very same conversation in i don't know february or march or whatever i think at that point we can start worrying but you know right now i think there's been a lot of factors that that kind of give him an out if if, if you want to be if you want to give him that out. If, if you don't, then your mind's kind of already set on selling him. So I don't think it's really, I mean, pretty much nothing he could do is going to convince you otherwise. But I, I think I'd be inclined to just, you know, give it more time before really panicking about him. I'm with you on that too. I mean, he's also been, like we talked about Alvaro Morata being streaky before. Dybala's had his streaky side as well. Um, I mean, it, and it's ampl- I mean, a lot of it, I think, gets amplified by the fact that Paulo Dybala is one of those players who, when he's really confident and really doing, really doing well and really sure of himself, he's doing things like beating the best goalkeeper in the world on a free kick from two feet off of the end line, uh, like he did last year. Whereas when he's not feeling it, when he's not, you know, when he doesn't have his confidence up, he really, you know, his, his body language changes. He, it, it makes it look like it makes him look petulant and less, you know, less committed when I, I don't really think that's the case. I mean, the, you know, he's, I, I, I really, like I said, like you said, Sergio, I, I think 
you know, coming back from a really significant muscle injury that he probably made worse by trying to play in the Lyon game. And also, you know, we don't remember, don't forget that he had a particularly long fight with COVID during lockdown and then came right out of the gate and played under Saudi during the restart a lot more minutes than I think we thought than I think we were expecting to see out of him after having had COVID for, for as long as he did. Uh, so it, you know, we don't know if that has an after, is having an after effect on him right now either. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm all for giving him a little more, for, you know, a little more time uh, to, to settle, to get, you know, to get himself physically right, which I still don't think he is. And, and soak up some of Pirlo's tactics and, and see where it leads. Yeah, and, and I think just, you know, the, the point you mentioned about, you know, the, the, the body language doctors and, you know, all the comments that, oh, he was pouting and he's like, you know, throwing tantrums on the pitch and whatnot. Like, just just get the hell out of with that argument because it, it's just, I have no time to start doing that. <laughs> I mean, Gonzalo Iwain, the dude pouted like crazy for his entire career and the guy backed 20-plus goals every season. Cristiano Ronaldo, he pouts like a mother something every time you don't pass him the ball. And he, he's one of the greatest players of all time. Like, these dudes are competitive. They obviously, like, you know, it's hard to, you know, you're performing badly, you're not doing your job. Yeah, you're going to react to it. Like, you know, it, it's something that, you know, in my opinion, I think once when, when Juventus signed Ronaldo, you know, two, three years ago, I, I wrote a piece about the, the fact that, you know, when he played for other teams, I used to be like, oh, look at him pouting. Like, this is not about you, pal. This is like a team game. But now that it's like in your team, you're like, oh, because he's a competitive dude and he wants to score. And like, you know, he's an emotional dude. So I think it's just, you know, whenever something like that happens, I think you just see what you want to see and kind of like read into it what you want to, you know, read into it. So, you know, I just wanted to, to mention that because it's at this point, the, the conspiracy corner on Dybala is just freaking insane. Yeah, he's having a rough, a rough patch, but I mean, let's not, let's not blame him for every single thing that, that Juventus, you know, has done bad or, or something. Let the record show that I still dislike Ronaldo. <laughs> just, uh, I have nothing to add about the Dybala case. I just wanted <laughs> to say that. I was going to say, like, I, I am on, I am multiple times on record as saying that I am not the biggest fan of Cristiano Ronaldo. And yet, the, you know, you didn't get the same kind of talk when Ronaldo had that really rough streak in uh, November and December from last year. Um, and I, I, you know, so I, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's got to be, you've got, like, like we said, you've got to give him some time. Yeah, these are competitive dudes, really, really competitive dudes. I mean, things aren't going their way. Of course, they're going to show some, you know, some, some disappointment out there on the pitch, especially when there's, like, a gazillion cameras on you at all times. Like, you know, if I have cameras on me when I'm, you know, filling out my Excel spreadsheets and something's not working quite right, then everyone will be like, oh, what a dick. But, you know, I mean, it is one of those things. Like, I mean, it caught him at a couple bad moments, like every player has ever done, and people are reading way too much into it. And it is, you know, it, it's upsetting how the, like, you know, narratives kind of, like, build around out of nothing. So I just kind of wanted to put that out there. I'll wrap things up on this note. It is a good thing that there were no cameras around me at 5.24 a.m. when Lazio scored the game-tying goal on Sunday.
So let's just say that. <laughs> he would have a bad problem attitude. That that'd be a problem. We'd be writing blogs now about it. I know. I know. Thank you all for your Twitter questions. As always, you can send them to us whenever you like at Juventus Nation on Twitter. You can also find us on Facebook. Search black and white and red all over. As is the norm, you can find us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Again, search black and white and red all over. Like, subscribe, write a review, rate us, all that good stuff. We appreciate it. I especially like, let me pull it up real quick, the review that we got a few weeks back. It was it was pretty amusing. <laughs> the person said, thank God somebody is making some good, consistent English content. So there you go. If you want a review about our podcast, is that somebody is praising God for us that we're finally doing it. <laughs> so on that I note, that guy. Yeah. our mothers have always said that we were God-given gifts, right? You know, all, all four of them. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, for Sam, for Chucks, and for Sergio, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening. Stay safe out there. Hopefully we don't have to hear about any coronavirus cases over the international break, and we'll talk to you guys next week.